Liberty Solutions here. We are a no whining allowed show on what the people can actually do about today's problems. Who decides, you or a DC career politician surrounded by marble and money? We like facts, so caution out the prisoners of their own drama. There's logic here. As Mark Twain said, politicians and diapers need to be changed often and for the same reason. Today on Liberty Solutions, we're discussing family separation by the federal government of foreign nationals, those that illegally cross the border into the U.S. with minors. We'll talk about what the people should do about this. I'm Keith, a recent immigrant to Florida, from New Jersey. I didn't claim asylum when I got here. I just found a place to live. We have Brandon, North Montana resident. Yeah, I'm just a redneck from the uh, northwest woods of Montana who uh, cares deeply about the future of our country and the future that I'm going to hand down to my kids. Thanks for joining us today. All right, the timeline of the illegal border crossing minors. 1985, Jenny Flores, a 15-year-old El Salvador girl, was unaccompanied by an adult and caught by INS illegally entering the U.S. She was detained, and INS would only release her to her parents, even though they did not know where her parents were. The conditions she was held in were not all that great at the time, and the Center for Human Rights did a class action suit using her as an example. They uh, claimed the government was violating children's rights. There's a whole mess of court cases working its way through the system. I got bleary-eyed reading some of them, but what they were saying is children have the right to an immigration judge hearing and children have the right to be released to a private child care agency even if they don't know where the parents are. It worked its way up to the Supreme Court, 1992, Flores versus Reno. The court reversed the opinion of the lower courts, which had held that children do have these rights. Um, surprise, surprise, the government sides with the government. They said that an unaccompanied alien minor has no right to release to someone other than close family and also has no right to an administrative law judge hearing. 1997, we have the Flores Agreement during the Clinton administration. This is a consent decree. It's not a court case. Um, it wasn't a law from Congress. But they agreed on some detention treatment policies. Uh, they mostly look pretty good. I thought it sounded reasonable. Um, they also agreed that the government would release, quote, without unnecessary delay, unquote, to parents, uh, then to relatives, and if not that, then to a licensed program that took child care. 2002, under G.W. Bush, the Homeland Security Act comes along, abolishes the INS. Now kids go to the Health and Human Services, throws everybody for a loop. All the uh, policies change. And uh, after that, they started the catch and release program. Because of the agreement in Flores, the government basically had two options. They could either release families or they could keep them all and uh, deport them. So it's a decision between open borders or, uh, or keep everybody in jail. Um, 2005, Bush started an operation. He's cracking down on illegal immigrants by referring all to prosecution. But they put in an exemption for those traveling with children. So you can imagine what that does. All of a sudden, there's a lot more kids crossing the border. And uh, 2000 and, 
uh, 18, Trump wrote an executive order. He's trying to enforce the law, detaining all illegal immigrants crossing the border, um, and he ran afoul. And now he has a new executive order to keep families together. So the government at this time, they're either release the children without unnecessary delay, even if the parents are in custody, which is basically separating them, mm -hmm. or they have to leave the borders open. That's their two choices. I guess my, my thought goes to right off the bat with that is uh, if I go right now down to the local convenience store and I rob it for 50 bucks that they've got in the register, um, are they going to keep my family together or are they going to separate us? Because I'm pretty sure I'm going to jail for an armed robbery and uh, there's no compassion involved with that ruling, is there? There's a lack of consistency. And when we've got the media hyping us up into a whipping us up into a frenzy, and uh, politicians changing the rules um, depending on what uh, the public thinks is popular at the moment or compassionate at the moment, doesn't take consistency or common sense into account at all, because the laws that uh, they're making for non-citizens don't apply to citizens. Yeah. It it, it's almost like it's lawless. It's it's a uh, it's a state where nobody knows what to do, and every time a new president comes in, the the policies change. So yep, the winds it, shift. Everybody's confused, including the the people from Central America. They're just as confused too. They're they're not sure what to do either. Right. So let's let's take a look at where where the law is here. You know what what's constitutional, and thereby lawful. Um, the Supreme Court decision, the Flores versus Reno, it's it's saying that that a there's no right to go to a willing and able private custodian for, for a minor just because their parents brought them across the border. If, if INS didn't know where their parents were, then they're saying the government can put them in a government-operated child care regardless of what they want. Uh, Flores was 15 at the time. She managed to make it from Honduras to the Mexican border on mm -hmm. her own. The uh, 2015, uh, I was talking about the, what's really lawful, a U.S. district judge he said the consent decree done uh, back with uh, Clinton applied to accompanied minors, even though Clinton never signed anything that had to do with a company. That was entirely about unaccompanied. Then he ordered, quote unquote, ordered the release of 1,700 families in detention. Wow. And he said that uh, the, the, the consent decree statement without unnecessary delay, that means 20 days. Uh, I'm not sure where that came from, but after that, they said 20 days was required, quote, unquote, required. Then in 2016, the Ninth Circuit again, keep hearing about them. They said the agreement applied to all detained children. 2017, there was a case, Flores versus Sessions. It was a Ninth Circuit affirmed Congress had not abrogated the agreement through subsequent legislation. In 2008, a law codified some of the Flores agreements uh, under Bush, second Bush. 2014, we get this big surge of people fleeing violence from cent Central America, and a lot of them bring their children along, or they find a kid along the way and bring them. With the issue of human uh, or sex trafficking and uh, sex slavery, I, I can't for the life of me figure out why people are so willing to push these kind of policies. Um, that would that would feed the coyote industry. That would feed. Um, the sex slavery industry and that would feed kidnapping 
because if I knew that I could get a better life, I could get freebies, I could get uh, taken care of or um, just the opportunity that America presents and all I had to have was a child and I was desperate, what do you think some of these people might be willing to do? And I'm not saying they're criminals. I'm not saying everybody's that way. But what I am saying is desperate people do desperate things. And when you make laws, policies, and and these kind of incentives um, for desperate people to want to come here, some people are going to try desperate things. But I was really interested when we talked earlier um, about the money side of this and that seems to be in the background driving a lot of this. Why don't you touch on that? Well, the uh, one article I read recently, the, the largest uh, minor care facility in the, in the Southwest is a Latino-run nonprofit that's funded by the federal government, a large amount of money every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the interesting thing about this particular nonprofit is the salary for the CEO is $1.5 million a year. We're in the wrong business, man. breaks in a quarter million. Wow. It looks like uh, the nonprofit thing's a pretty good business. Lucrative. Maybe he's donating it all to charity. I mean, all right, so here's here's how I see it, Brandon. Okay, bring it to me. Everybody's acting like <laughs> everybody's acting like court opinions and the presidential executive orders and all the policies put out by the three-letter agencies are laws. Mm-hmm. Problem is, Congress makes laws, not the courts, not the presidents. Right. They're supposed to interpret, interpret or enforce not create laws. And uh, boy, it seems like every time a, a bureaucratic agency comes out with some new, you know, decree, like, uh, like the King just sent it out. Um, all of a sudden we all have to change our lives based around that. Yeah. And every time a new King gets elected, it, it everything changes. Yeah. Yep. It makes the president office way more important than it's supposed to be. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, why should we care about, a Ninth Circuit federal judge's opinion on some particular case, or why should we care about a federal judge's opinion on some law that Congress passed? Yep. And and why would why we care about a judge's opinion on a Trump executive order? I don't know why the judges think they even have the authority to weigh in. I don't care what they say. I have an opinion also, and sometimes my opinions, even based on the job description of these characters, was ratified 230 years ago yesterday. But I digress. June yeah. 21st, 1788. So do you care about these judges' opinions? No, I I, uh, I really don't. Um, but the problem is, is I don't think that any of these people um, in any of the agencies or the House and the Senate, from the president, let's just say from the president down, D.C. does not know their job description. They are completely power-hungry. In my position, in my opinion, and I and I'm not picking on any one person, um, whether they do good decisions or bad decisions. Um, there's a whole lot of stepping outside of what they're actually supposed to be doing. Yeah, sometimes you, you almost think they don't know, but you know I have to assume they know. I mean, these people, are, a lot of them went to law school, so well could they it have be to that at least uh, read the Constitution? But could it be that they haven't been held accountable to their positions, and so therefore they've uh, got a little drunk on power? Yeah, that's that's certainly part of it. It may be that the place just filters out people who are are stroked by that. Right. They they love the power. They crave the power. Yep. They are drug addicts in a sense for power. Oh, absolutely. And and the, the most entertaining part to me is the media has just gone totally bonkers. You know, everybody's a racist Nazi if if you disagree on everything. 
Yeah. Um, we have we have a clip here of Cat Timph last night on the Greg Gutfield TV show. Yeah, let me pull that up. All right, I haven't heard this yet, so I'm looking forward Although to this. I really just genuinely don't understand how it's like Nazi Germany. Yeah. I don't get how that's even a comparison. So I'm convinced that a lot of people maybe just don't know what Nazi Germany is. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe I think it just kind of spreads like wildfire. Like they hear one person say it and they're like, you know, they realize that what they have to do to fit in with all their buddies is agree that it's Nazi Germany. Yes. So that way everybody, you know, or else you're going to think that you're a jerk. So everyone just keeps repeating it yeah. without ever actually really explaining it. Mm -hmm. Well, if, if you believe being a Nazi means being in favor of school vouchers, You've given yourself a wide range of people you can call a Nazi. Yeah. If you just include anyone who doesn't agree with you vociferously as a Nazi, that's how they get away with it. It's completely illogical. You know, I think you're a Nazi. This is a real problem that reporters are now going after only because it's under Trump. They actually care about the kids now. So it's actually, thank you, Trump, for making reporters care once again about children. Amen. That's great, man. Everybody is... Everybody's everybody's a Nazi if you disagree, and yet the people calling everyone Nazis have very brown shirt fascist tendencies. And I love how at the yeah. end there he says, "Thanks, President Trump, for making the media care about children." That's that's been the biggest scream to me this whole time is how many kids, how many children are we aborting every year? And we uh, that's a woman's right, but now all of a sudden we care. I'm assuming because they made it to taking breath in the real world. Yeah, the whole the whole reporting on it it's uh it's interesting standard tactics. Have you seen the Time magazine article? I didn't read it, but the, it's nope. been in the on the web. Nope. I'm, right, the, I'm a little cover, behind times up here in the woods. It's uh I only saw it because somebody posted on Facebook, but the the cover photo, they did a whole edition on family separation by the government. So for the cover, they got a photo of a 2-year-old girl crying and she's staring up and crying her eyes out at President Trump, who's got an evil grin, and he's looking down on her. And they made him huge, so she's like halfway to his knees or something. Um, so I thought, that, that can't be true. And it's got a red background. They, you know, Time probably thought if they put the hammer and sickle on there, that'd be a little carried away, but it's a bright red background, like evil, evil. <laughs> so, the, so the funny part, so I had like said, this, I had to look into this, so I started looking into it. So the story is, as far as the family separation story, this isn't what Time Magazine talked about, but the most important separation happened was the mother kidnapped her two-year-old and separated him from the father. She mm. didn't even tell the father she was leaving. So there's one separation. Time forgot about that part. Oh, yeah. Second thing is the mother abandoned several other young kids in Honduras. So then the fourth one, fourth separation, is the mother committed a felony. It was her second attempt to illegally enter the country. She was caught and deported back to Honduras. The fifth one, I thought, here's a separation. This is the one the government actually did. So the Border Patrol, when they caught her, they asked the mother to put the daughter down for a search. And Carlos was his name, probably... Uh, not too racist against Mexicans, but he asked if it was okay, uh, if the daughter was okay. She started crying. The mother said, she's fine. It's 11 p.m. She's tired and thirsty. The Time Magazine photographer jumps in and gets a photo while the mother wasn't in the background of her crying. Mm. And they make that the cover story for their article on Trump and the government separation. But the whole separation was two minutes. As wow. soon as the guy got the photo... Uh, the mother picked the daughter back up, and they were taken to a family detention center. 
that's Time's use of the picture. So talk about you know their tactic. Media manipulation, man. And if the mother wanted to be with her daughter, don't apply for asylum. Yeah. If she didn't want asylum, even though it was her second time. They would have just deported her and the daughter very quickly. Yep. So it's the mother here who wants the family separation. Right. Yep. And just like that, leaving her husband and her kids in uh, Honduras to make this journey is desperate people will do desperate things, and they may not be rational. Regardless of what the media would tell you, we're trying to make sure everyone's taken care of, and yet the media continues to whip us up into an absolute frenzy over things that, when this first came up, those pictures were back during the Obama administration, but they just labeled it Trump. They, they didn't know. They forgot to check. Yeah. So I heard uh, a lot of the tweets on it got deleted when they realized the pictures happened during a bomb. Yeah, but the cat's out of the bag now, and here that's all we've been hearing about for weeks. So I'm wondering, should I care more about this girl than her mother does? I think the government should return the kid to her father, my opinion. That's a separation I'd worry about. Yeah. The, the question is, why, why are U.S. citizens, why do people think that we're responsible for every case of gang violence, domestic abuse, and government tyranny everywhere in the world? Seven billion people. It's a lot of responsibility on us. Yep. In a way, uh, we've taken on a lot of undue responsibility um, and tried to, uh, you know, tried to be, which is good in a way. You know, obviously the um, kind of a moral leadership and trying to spread freedom, um, but you also have to understand that people have to want and desire those things. And you know, I always think, why are people fleeing their country? Change your country, but. You know, the compassionate side of me says, yeah, but when you haven't been uh, raised up with a, this freedom mindset and liberty and personal choice and, um, you know, power with, is, is the people's, uh, I, guess, I guess I can understand it two way. I, I, I try and weigh all this with compassion that I understand. I mean, I would definitely want a better life for my family. I, I strive every day to work hard and provide and always do the best that I can for my family. But there's laws and... If another nation has a different set of laws, mine, I mean, I'm right here 60 miles from the Canadian border. I'm not jumping across that border. I'm going to go explore Canada. I don't have a passport. They ain't letting me cross that border. And they certainly aren't going to give me any freebies when I get there. Yeah, let's talk about fixing this. Yeah, yeah, please do. So uh, the, the first problem, um, the, the use of executive orders in place of legislation. It's like we got King Trump. And before we had King Obama. So King Obama says something, everybody runs around like it's a law. Then the next president comes in and he changes his mind. Basically, there's no law. We got the, uh, the silly congressman whining and demanding an executive off, uh, order when the laws are theirs. They should change the law if they're not happy. So uh, Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution says, Congress shall have the power to establish a uniform rule of naturalization. Uh, it doesn't say anything about asylum there, mm -hmm. um, but basically it's Congress's job to, to set this up. And, and the incentives that are there you know, for foreign nationals to come here, th this is really the problem. It's not, it's not the uh, immigration officials and, and maintaining the border. The problem is uh, that the welfare state, you know, as Milton Friedman said, you can't have a welfare state and open borders at the same time. Oh, man. It doesn't no. work. And in the federal funding of infrastructure, schools, medical care. So we're all paying for this. And, and even if the, the uh, immigrants come here and they don't get 
welfare, they're still using our hospitals and our schools and our roads. So, you know, I see, I heard Stefan Molyneux last week. He said, how high a wall do you have to build around your property if you scattered diamonds all over your front lawn? I think you said it earlier when we talked that the we build a 10-foot wall and the 11-foot ladder business is going to explode south of the border. You and I met through Convention of States. We're both volunteers. So how do we tie in the convention into fixing a problem like this? Well, first thing, Article 5 of the Constitution provides a second method of proposing amendments. Don't have to involve D.C. History proves the federal government will never limit itself. Why would they? They love the power. Right. They'll continue to grab more and more power. They spend their days dreaming up new ways to run our lives. We need to put it back where it's supposed to be. People in the states can do that. Right now, we've got 12 states on board, am I correct? With the platform of term limits, fiscal responsibility, and limiting the power and jurisdiction of the federal government. So this this would play into that third one, limiting the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, right? Yeah, we, we need to clarify the founders' intentions and, and what they wrote down. Certainly they did not intend this. Uh, and we can do an amendment and ensure that the president is the executive, as they intended. His job is to enforce laws, not use executive order to make them, even if the Congress doesn't act. It was Obama, Obama said, you know, I have a pen, I have a phone. The, the second thing, the, the federal judges' opinions, uh, everybody talks about this, you know, that they're, they're rulings. It's yeah. kings issue rulings. Uh, it's not the law of the land. Courts issue opinions about particular cases, but uh, that's not really how it's supposed to work. So we've got, as, a, as, as the people, we the people, we have the ability to call for a convention. It takes two-thirds of the states to join together, call for a convention of states, and then once we um, have an amendment proposed, it takes three-fourths, three-quarters of the states to ratify that amendment. That then becomes law. We've now, over, we've now stepped above um, Congress and the Senate, and regardless who's in power and their inability to act or their unwillingness to act. We've now stepped above an, um, executive orders and court decrees. Is decrees better than rulings? Because that definitely sounds kingly. That's how they think of themselves. But we've now written into law, into our Constitution, law that actually does become the guiding force for our land. The, the states and the people are better suited for everything that was not expressly delegated to the federal government. From, from the original Constitution. Those guys knew what they were doing when they wrote that down. Right. We just need to clarify it. Yep. And that solves this whole immigration problem we solved. The biggest takeaway for me in all this is reining in the, uh, the goodies program. Um, there is so many incentives for someone struggling in another country to break our laws to come here that we need to rein in the uh, the goodies packages um, that they're dangling out there for them in order for them to risk their lives and their children's lives to come here for. Yeah, I think we need to limit the federal funding of, of infrastructure, um, schools, Medicare, retirement. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of this is in the Constitution, and it's all reasons that perfectly rational people might think they're better off here than, say, Honduras. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up here. We've uh, droned on for a while. So thank you for listening to Liberty Solutions. Uh, please like, follow us uh, on social media, and uh, click that subscribe button on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called these days, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Thanks, Keith. Have a good week, man. Yeah, you too, Brandon. See you next week. The question facing us and facing our fellow countrymen is a two-word question. Very simply, who decides? The American founders had a simple answer. We, the people, decide.